Welcome to the watermarkoc.church podcast. Thank you for listening. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Watermark. Isn't it beautiful here? The ladies have done a fabulous job. And I want to thank our young men in this band. Not only are they good musicians, but these guys, I saw them reverently worshiping God. It touches the soul. So thank you, gentlemen. So we have an opportunity to celebrate Christmas from a higher perspective. John gave us the Christmas story, not from the viewpoint of the manger or Joseph or Herod or the wise guys or the shepherds. But rather, he wants us up on the winds of God to look down and see the work he did at Christmas, which is also the work he did at creation. By the way, we're going to bypass Santa's sleigh here. Two things. It does, it's not high enough. And secondly, I hear he spikes his hot chocolate with cheap whiskey. So he, we can't trust that dude. But we can trust the one who made it all. And we will forevermore, like the song said, proclaim his glory and power. And that's what we're here to do. So, we are up in God's helicopter, so to speak, and we're going to look down from his perspective on Christmas. How does that sound? And that is a fresh view. But the purpose of this is not just to see it that way. It's to see how God wants to move freshly in your lives through this season. So, let's go back to John. And I'm going to focus on the first four chapters and give a kind of a, like I said, a bird's eye viewpoint of this work of God. And then the other guys will take it home the rest, the rest of the month. So John 1, 1 through 4. In the beginning was the word. Bang. John messes, takes no, uh, wastes no time here, does he? And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. All right, so as I said, John starts this with a bang. And I'm going to use a word here that we all need to grasp for the rest of this month. It's called transcendent. Theologians have used this word to try to describe God's relationship with his creation. And because he created, we can only understand him to a point. You all understand that, don't you? Like the clay can't always understand the potter. But this word transcendent is who God is in relation to his creation, the earth and all that is in it, and the universe and all the galaxies. And it means above and beyond and not a part of. See, God is self-existent. If you can figure that one out, come back and explain it to me. He always was. He had no beginning. Like, how's that possible? Because we're finite. We're born, we live, we die. We have a, a certain time frame. We mark it by time. There's a clock going off. Ben put pressure on me in the pre-service meeting. You're on the clock. God has no clock. He invented time. And so he is not a part of creation. Therefore, he is not, he doesn't have to submit to any of the natural laws of creation. You got that? Like if I were to go up, Nancy would not like this, but grab that tree and push it over, what would happen? 
Nancy heads up the team that put all this together. That tree would fall because the law of what? Right. And we're standing here and not floating around because of that natural law. God invented the law of gravity when he made all things. He invented all things. But he is not submitted to those things. They don't affect him at all. He's not a part of us. But in the beginning was the word. Okay, so this thing is kind of weird, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh. What is all this stuff? It's not hocus pocus. In the beginning was the word. That word, word, is logos. Anytime you see that Greek word logos, you probably have seen like uh, Christian websites, uh, logos.com. It literally means the word. And it is referred in the New Testament, anytime this word logos is used, it refers to the Son of God as God. Now the Christmas story has the Son of God coming to the manger, right? We all got that? And so we see there this connecting of the logos, the word, in the beginning was the word, in Jesus Christ. Whenever you hear the two names, Jesus Christ, that refers to the Son of God, who is both fully God and fully man. So we're looking at the, the deity side of, of the Son of God and the human side. Right here in the beginning was the Word. This is before Jesus the man. Everybody got that? Okay. The other thing we notice that John does very cleverly, he introduces the Trinity immediately. And there are people that have fought tooth and nail over whether the Trinity existed or it's really three gods. Some churches teach that it's just Jesus and Father and Holy Spirit are just kind of expressions of God. Well, that ain't true. And the Trinity is so important for us to understand in the Christmas story because there's no greater example of community, of relationship than Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Undying, sacrificial love, submission one to another. They are the picture of who we should be. All right, everybody with me there? So that's kind of our intro to this. Okay. Now, let us go to, we're talking about God being transcendent. I want to confirm this. From the book of Colossians, Paul was letting the people at at Colossae have it because some of them were questioning the power of Christ. And look at what he wrote to them in this letter, verse 15 and 16 of Colossians chapter 1. No? All right. I'm going to read it. He, he, the Logos, then Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Okay, so we see here, now we see the transcendent God becoming imminent. Anybody know what that word imminent means? Near. First, he's above and not apart and completely disconnected. But when he is the firstborn in a manger, the first of all, firstborn of all creation means those that would follow him that would become sons and daughters of God through his sacrifice. For by him, the Logos, we're back to that again, all things were created. How many things were created, folks? In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. 
And he is before all things, and in him all things are held together. So how did he do? Pretty good? How much power does he have? He's got it all. How much did he create? Is there anything he didn't create? Is there anything he doesn't rule today? Now, I realize most of us, unless you're like 60 or so like me, don't read newspapers, but if you get your news app, uh, is the news usually bad or good? Usually bad, that's what makes headlines. Bad news sells. And I know many Christians that kind of look horizontally there and there and say, oh no, what's happening? And I say, look at this. The Logos rules all things. All thrones, all principalities, all powers, all dominions, before and now and forever. He's transcendent. He's not subject to what's going on around here. He's in total control. But the church, for some reason, believes newspapers or apps before the word of God. Can anybody hear what I'm saying? You get a little nervous of what's going out there? We are not the first nation to be screwed up. I just want you to know that. Okay? There is a long track record. How did the Israelites do when, with Moses, they left Egypt, right? All those years, 400 years as slaves. Moses comes, does these miracles, sets them free, splits the Red Sea. You remember, Charlton Heston? Behold the hand of God. And the sea opens up, and then they bring manna. And how did, how did the people of Israel handle all that? These miraculous things, they complained. Because the conditions weren't good. So we're just like them. We look horizontally. But John is saying, you're missing it. And Paul is reminding us, there is one who is above all. Now, now we, we've got a picture of this transcendent side of God. Let's go to the very first verse of the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, and let's look at the, the firstborn of all creation and what the Logos did here. Same wording John uses. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Okay, there is a Latin term, two words, ex nihilo, from nothing. Now, if I told you, if I asked you to make a shirt for me, what would you need to make that shirt? Somebody say flour? Thread? A lot of thread, right? You'd need the material, like the wool or the cotton. Where do you get that? Where do you get wool? From sheep. Where do you get sheep? From other sheep. And what do the sheep eat? And where does that come from? And one thing produces another, right or wrong. Way back when the nation took off in the uh, 19th century in the Industrial Revolution, when the iron ore was smelted into steel, bang, things took off, urbanization hit. But without that iron ore in the earth, they would have never been able to make steel, make trains, make cars, and so on. Phones. Are phones made of steel? What are they made of now? I don't know. But we can do nothing ex nihilo. There's only one that can. 
And the little babe in the manger, who is also the Logos, the Word, he created everything that we study and think we understand from nothing. In fact, my favorite living theologian, R.C. Sproul, says this. Listen to this. This is genius. Not even the darkness exists apart from God's creative word. Do you realize there was no darkness before God made it? Have you ever thought about that? What do we just read in John? He is light. He is light. We only understand that to a point. But if God walked in here in his true holy spiritual form, we, we wouldn't be able to see. We'd be blinded. It'd be beyond us. So he even created the darkness. Have you ever thought about that? Sure. He created the darkness so then he could make the light. Isn't that cool? Maybe cool isn't the right way to describe the most amazing feat in, in history. In fact, he created history. You can see my view of God. Uh, when things don't go right in my life, people say, are you worried? I say, no. Well, what am I worried about? I mean, I might be concerned about doing what's right in a situation, but I don't have time for worry. He who created ex nihilo, he's taking care of me. I, what are you talking about, man? He's the word. I don't have to worry about anything. Oh, no, not oh. Right? So if you are going to say, oh, I don't mean ho-ho, this Christmas, you need to look at what God did ex nihilo and realize he's coming for you. Then, then, the Logos takes on this human form. The transcendent becomes imminent, and we go to Luke chapter 1, which... Everybody reads in Christmas plays when you have, you always drag a couple of dads up here with beards. You got somebody to play Mary, somebody's baby. Kind of make sure you feed the kid before you bring him up. And What do you read? You don't read John, you read Luke. Why? It's horizontal. It happens from man's perspective. And it's a wonderful story. We all love it. I'm not downplaying Luke. I'm just saying John is cosmic. Right? By the way, I want to acknowledge one of the elders here, our brother Vance Gardner, who got inspired for this series. So um, there's nothing new under the sun. Well done, brother. Okay, so there, there was this angel sent from God to uh, a small town and to a priest named Zechariah. And he told him, I realize you and your, hus- or you and your wife are really old and all the Viagra in the world won't help you. But you're going to have a son, and he's going to be John the Baptist, and he's going to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children, hearts of the children back to the fathers. He's going to prepare the way of the Lord. John the Baptist we're talking about here, okay? And Zechariah doubted him, and this is what Gabriel said. I am Gabriel, and I stand before God. Therefore, because you doubted me from this moment, Until when the child is born, you will not be able to speak. It happened. And God said. And God said, let there be light. Right? The word. The word is the logos, the Bible. And God said, let there be light. 
And Gabriel said, you will not speak. Bang. Zechariah can't speak. And that brings us to our text. Because he goes home and he and Elizabeth get cozy and they conceive. And they're amazed. Well, we think he's amazed. He can't talk now. She's probably glad. And in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy carrying John the Baptist, the angel Gabriel was sent from God, from whom? From the transcendent one, above and over all things, to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. Now this makes us warm and fuzzy because this is the Christmas story with the manger, right? And the closer we get to Christmas, the warmer it makes us feel. And by the way, it should. There's no question. Because if the Logos, the Word, did not become flesh, there'd be no Christmas, there'd be no Easter, there'd be no resurrection, uh, we'd all be lost. We'd be cannibals socially. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Now, I was raised Roman Catholic, and they have deified Mary. You don't have a trinity anymore. You got uh, a quadrant. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and Mom. Because they teach that Mary is the mother of God, of the Logos. She's the mother of Jesus who took on human form. And so Mary needed favor, and that message in the Christmas story is, without favor, none of us would even be able to celebrate Christmas. Because he is above and beyond all of us, he is the great judge, the Holy One. He provides mercy. It is mercy that you and I are here this morning. The older I get, the more I cringe when I listen to advertisers about what we deserve. I remember growing up, McDonald's favorite logo or motto back then, you deserve a break today. Anybody remember that? Boy, even you young people remember that. You know what we deserve? According to the Bible, I don't have time to get into that today, death. How's that? There are none that do good, Paul said. In fact, your mouths are like open sepulchers or graves. You're poison. Oh, (laughs) thanks. But, Jesus in his mercy. And so Mary was just like you and me. Don't buy all that stuff. And don't pray to her. She's celebrating with other saints in heaven with the glory of the risen one. But Gabriel said, favored one, because God chose to show you favor. She was greatly troubled. Why not? Trying to discern what sort of greeting this be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And bang, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. So this is what John wrote in 1 through 18 happening in Bethlehem, or in Nazareth, that would transpire in Bethlehem. Behold, you will conceive. So here we have transcendent visiting the creation. We now are near to God because he came near to us. If he just remained transcendent, we'd be like the Israelites slaughtering animals once a year to atone for our sins and hope for the best. 
But Jeremiah and Isaiah, two great prophets, said, the Lord is going to make a new covenant with you, and he's going to write his word in your hearts, his logos in your hearts. And Jesus said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and he's going to come and live in you. And he will always care for you. And so that's the picture we get. Jesus, the Logos, is getting very personal. So we see the Trinity at work in creation and in what I call recreation, the Christmas story. If Genesis is the story of creation, John is the story of recreation. Remember Genesis 1-2. We're going to talk about ex nihilo here. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over it. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the deep. So we see the Trinity at work there, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit, what's he doing? He's hovering over the void, it means there's nothingness. It doesn't exist. Now, let's go to the next uh, scripture here. So is this dialogue, and we'll connect them. Mary says to Gabriel, um, how will this happen since I'm a virgin? I think that's a biologically logical question. And the, and the angel of the Lord answered, and he declares, and God said, listen to this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will what, folks? Overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy the Son of God. And the earth was out without form and void, and the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep. And the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and he will overshadow you, and you will conceive. Okay, what was there before God said, let there be? There was nothing. There was no life. And God made life in chapter 1 of Genesis, six days. Was there life in Mary's womb before the Holy Spirit overshadowed her? No. No. Let's go back to what man can do and what God can do. Now, we, I think we all know, Biology 101, it requ- uh, requires the male sperm to fertilize the female egg in the womb to conceive life. We all agree with that? We're all on the same page, thank God. Okay, well, how did this happen? Right? I know we use the term the immaculate conception, but you've got to connect this. The two testaments are one covenant. It was the same God hovering over the earth that was hovering over the womb. And God said, let there be light. And God said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the the Most High God will overshadow you. You notice he uses the phrase most high. We're talking about that transcendent one again. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. God using ex nihilo powers, whatever those are. He just created the union of divine sperm and that woman's egg. How? I have no idea. I don't know how he created everything. I mean, he spoke, but how does that work? Do you know how many times I've spoken to my kids and I want to create behavior? (laughs) Hey, are you listening? When God speaks ex nihilo, it doesn't matter who listens. It happens. Oh, but things are so bad. 
as if things weren't so bad a hundred years ago or a thousand years ago or when Jesus came as a babe in the manger. I mean, the Romans weren't nice. They're my ancestors, by the way. Sorry. I don't know if I should brag or repent about that. (laughs) Don't you just love this or is it just me? I know Vance loves this. From nothing, the Christ child was conceived. The power of the transcendent God working at the Christmas story. If I could pick that manger up and drag it over here, I would. But this Christmas, when you celebrate, you need to get up in the helicopter and see the incredible miracle that it is. When we pray for healing, right, Like I had four major surgeries in 2016. I know a lot of you prayed for me and I'm grateful. And a lot of surgeries and a lot of time in the hospital and medicines and yada, 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 a ton of prayer. And I had a few gallons of oil poured over me for anointing when you put them all together. You know, I've been slowly getting better. So the body, you know, the cells are beginning to reproduce, but you start with something. Right? Let's say Luke, our worship leader, if I brought him up here and cut off his arm. Well, that's nasty, isn't it? My wife always says, you need to leave blood out of Christmas story. You always do this. And I said, come up here, Luke. Let's stop the bleeding. And I prayed, and all of a sudden his arm grew back. That's not a healing. That's a miracle, according to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. A healing is if his arm is broken and I pray and it gets reset, but it was already there. In that case, he didn't have the arm. Did I create that arm ex nihilo or did it grow out of his cell tissue? It grew from what was it was attached to. And so here we see the great difference. So what does this all mean? God invaded the void. My sense through this series for Watermark, and God has done some amazing things in 2017 in this church. You are not the church you once were. I rejoice at what God has done. I think, I'm going to use that big word again, this is a time for a transcendent invasion. The power that is above and beyond us, we can't even comprehend. And I I know all the skeptics and doubters out there mock God, and they mock you, and they say, well, how can you believe in a God you can't understand? I can believe because I can't understand. If I could totally figure him out, why do we need to believe that he's any stronger than we are? Right? Aren't you glad he's so transcendent you can't understand it? That's a gift. And so if there's a transcendent invasion... Things will never be the same. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And then he created the earth and the fowls of the air and the fish of the sea and the cattle. So I have a few questions as we close this one, part one of our series here. Has God changed? Is he different? That's what many people teach. I've even heard churches talk about, well, that's the Old Testament God. This is a New Testament God. Thank God he's the same God. Otherwise, you'd be able to change him. 
He is immutable, in other words. He doesn't change. So if he hasn't changed, let me ask you this. Has the Holy Spirit stopped invading, or was that just for the manger? Was that just for the void? How about the upper room? After Jesus rose from the dead and the disciples, 70 people are up there praying in this room, and what happens? The Holy Spirit invades them. Peter gets up and preaches this message. 3,000 people come to Christ. It's the the visible birth of the, the church. Did the Holy Spirit invade that moment? The Apostle Paul, who was once the leading persecutor of Christianity in the first century, he's on a road to Damascus with um, author, written authorization to put Christians to death. So he's heading north to Syria. And the Lord shows up and invades Paul. When God invades, it's never the same. So I mentioned I had some serious surgeries last year. And when the first one hit, I, I came that close to dying. And honestly, I don't know if you've ever been like that. I wanted to. I wanted to check out. I said, you know, this pain is just not worth it. I, heaven is so much better. Be Christmas all the time there, right? Now, I had been pastoring Covenant Life Church in upstate New York for 27 years. And uh, there were some people saying, you need to turn it over. And we had been praying for a successor. And then my wife said, you're never going to let this thing go. And guess what happened? A transcendent invasion in the form of hospitalization. I couldn't work. In fact, I didn't care what happened at the church. (laughs) Oh, you won't believe what's going on. I said, no, I wouldn't. And just leave me alone. I'm trying to survive. All I want to do is get through today. Don't bother me. Yeah, that's how weak I was. In my weakness, the holy God invaded. He didn't just change me. By the time I was well enough to get back in the pulpit and preach, it had been about seven months. The church had changed dramatically. The guy who had become my successor had been preaching almost every Sunday, and all of a sudden everybody likes him. I'm saying, hey, what about me? See, I couldn't let go. But God was so merciful, he said, I'll make sure you can let go. I'll take care of that. And he, he taught me a secret. I've, you know, all these years, 35 years of ministry, 27 pastoring in that church, I never understood what it meant that when you're weak, you're strong. I don't have time to get into that today. But in our weakness, Christmas came. Do you want the Holy Spirit to invade you this Christmas? I warn you, if he does, things may not be the same again. Who wants them the same? Let's move on. Right, the culture is circling the drain or the toilet, whichever picture you prefer. I prefer the second one. Because you know what it's full of. But that's not the church. We are God's sons and daughters because Jesus didn't just come to the manger. He went to that cross and he rose and he paid for our souls. And so if you want this invasion, I want to ask you to stand and pray with me that God will use whatever and however. And guys, we like to be Mr. Fix-It. You know, you got a problem with the wife? Just fix that thing and move on to the next project. No, it ain't working that way this time. 
When the Holy Spirit invades, you don't know what he's going to do. I had no idea last year it was going to happen. But by the time it came for me to give up the church, I gladly did it. And Vance called me and said, Brother, I've been praying. I think you need to come out here. And here I am. And I'm so grateful. So grateful. I had no idea a year ago now what was going to happen. Did I, brother? I had no... He, he had an inkling. I didn't. I was still too sick, recovering from my fourth surgery to figure it out. But I had been invaded. And I was changed inside out. It has nothing to do with what you get for Christmas. It has everything to do with who invades your soul. So if you want that... We're going to take communion in a minute. Is there a better picture of the invasion? You know what those elements represent? And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He made all things. He came into that manger and that, that bread and that cup are evidence that he became flesh and blood and that he spilled his blood. And when you take those elements, it means that you and the Father, Son, Holy Ghost aren't like this, transcendent down here. You are one with him. And if you want him to invade you, all you have to do is ask him. So I'm going to offer a prayer right now. And Paul taught this, if when we take communion, we need to take a moment and self-examine, right? Like if I've been a brute this week, I want to get right with God so I can go with kind of clean hands to the table. But then you, only you, Husbands and wives, families, singles. It's up to each of you if you want the Holy Spirit to invade you, your personal life this Christmas season. For me, I'm all in. Vance, are you all in, brother? You came up with this. You better be. Bucky and Ben are definitely all in, man. Because they're gonna they're gonna finish the preaching. So, Father, we thank you for the word. The Logos, it is no longer just transcendent. It is the Word of God. It is the Bible. Every time we read it, Jesus becomes alive to us and in us. That is your becoming flesh. You didn't just go to heaven. You sent the Holy Spirit to make the printed Word alive. And so we come before you. We examine our hearts and prepare to take the bread and the cup. And I ask you personally, and I ask each of you if you want it, to invade me. I ask for a transcendent Holy Spirit invasion this Christmas season. That we would see Christmas as you see it, Father. And that your power would work through us. So it wouldn't be about what a great Christmas experience we have. It would be about what a great God that is touching others through me this Christmas. I I pray for every one of us as you invade us. We become people for others this season. That we don't once think about ourselves, and I know you'll bless us, but cause us to see in our mind's eye people we need to go and touch and bless. And folks, there are some of you that have been putting off reaching out to a neighbor. Something simple like baking something, giving them a little gift or something. You have put it off. It's time to do it. Let the invasion happen in your neighbor's homes. They need Jesus. So we renew our covenant with you through this these elements, Father. Thank you for the invasion that's coming. Bless my precious brothers and sisters in Jesus' holy name. Amen. To find out more about us, go online to watermarkoc.church.